Uh, this morning, as we continue in worship, I just kind of want to remind us of what our challenge is. And, and our challenge is, as Bill mentioned, is to be a people of prayer uh, and people of care. And you heard some ways that we're going to be doing that beginning this week. Um, and also to be a people of the Word. And as we just heard the Word of God read uh, by one of our own uh, people, uh, we want to to turn there now as, as we continue in worship this morning. And so this morning, I do want us to continue by uh, reciting together Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So I'm going to put those up on the screen uh, in just a minute. And then if you want to, you can stand to say this with me. You can stay sitting. But I would like for us all, wherever you are, Let's read these verses together. I think these verses capture the challenge that God has given us uh, during this day and time. So uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of God. And this morning, uh, as we continue in our series on Isaiah called The Servant, that's exactly what we want to do. We want to be looking to Jesus. In Isaiah, he is called The Servant. And so, uh, again, as we move towards Easter, I think there's no better place to put our focus. But the reality is, uh, whether we're moving towards Easter, whether we're going through COVID-19, uh, whatever it is we're going to, I think God says he calls us to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Um, just continuing with this series, we, we're asking this question, who is the servant? And why is it important for us to, to think about this during this time? Who is the servant and why should we be thinking about this? As I mentioned uh, the last couple of weeks, there are four places in Isaiah that mentioned this servant, and, uh, and, and the first one was four, chapter 42, the second one we looked at last week in chapter 49. Today we're going to be looking at chapter 50, uh, and really specifically today we're going to be talking about what does it cost the servant, what does he have to go through, uh, and then next week we're going to wrap this up with, uh, with the fourth song that really ties it all together and points directly to the cross. Um, but again, this idea of who is the servant, who is Jesus? Uh, I think that's one of the most important questions you could ask yourself as a human being. In fact, it's not one of the most important questions. It's the most important question. And so as we look at that during these weeks, please, uh, please uh, let me know if you have any questions. Just a few things to notice this morning. As you heard Brody read this passage, um, just a couple things. I think we want to ask a couple questions. One is who is talking? Who is talking? It's been different from week to week, from passage to passage, but this week, the entire passage is actually the servant himself speaking. The servant is telling us something about himself, telling us something about, uh, what God is doing through him. And so the servant is talking, but, but what is, is, is he talking about? And, and the second question I want us to talk about is when is he talking? When is he talking? If we just read a couple of these verses, the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught so that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. And it just goes on. Verse six, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. When is he talking? The servant, if you didn't notice, is talking as if this has already happened. But you have to realize Isaiah was written 600 years, uh, roughly 600 years before Jesus was born. So what we have here is this idea of what we call the prophetic future. 
is that when the prophet speaks, when you get this word from the Lord, he is so confident that it's going to happen that he can talk about it like it's already happened. And so that's what we have here, the servant speaking as if it's already happened. Because when God says it, it's as good as done. And so that's important for us to realize as well, is that it sounds like it's the past tense, even though during the time of Isaiah, this had not yet been accomplished. Uh, and then the third question is, is who is he talking about? Well, the servant's kind of telling us about himself, what's going to happen to him. And we're going to explore that here in the next few minutes. But the reality is that he's really telling us about the Lord God. Did you notice in verse 4 it says the Lord God? Verse 5 it says the Lord God. Verse 7 it says the Lord God. And verse 9 again it says the Lord God. This is really the servant telling us all about the Lord God. And why uh, he can have confidence that the Lord God will preserve him through all the things he's going to have to go to. Really the servant is able to endure this struggle because he knows and has a relationship with the Lord God. Uh, the Lord God is an interesting title in the book of Isaiah. It's the Lord Yahweh. Um, the sovereign Lord is what the NIV says about it. Um, the master God is what me uh, the message translates it. But the bottom line is this. The servant is talking to us about his relationship and his connection to the powerful God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth. And it's through his connection, through his relationship with the Lord God, the powerful God of the universe, that he knows his future will be taken care of. Brothers and sisters, the same is true for us this morning. And so that's what we wanted to notice just as we jump into this passage and start to look at uh, what we would call the servant's struggle. The servant's struggle. And so um, what we want to look at is just kind of two things this morning. One is the servant's struggle, and then we also are going to uh, uh, look at the the servants, just uh, the way that he is able to complete this, and and to look at his um, at his hope, the fact that he has hope in God alone, in the Lord God, as I mentioned. So the servants' instruction. We want to see just a couple things here uh, that I think really speak directly to us this morning, and in the situation we, as Trinity Church, as as believers in Christ, find ourselves right now. And what is this instruction uh, for the servant? And I would say it's first of all instruction to the servant. We see in this passage. Um, it says in verse four, "The Lord God has given to me the tongue of those who are taught." You see, Jesus can endure what he's about to endure. The servant can endure the suffering he's going to endure because he has received teaching, he's received instruction from the Lord God. And so what is this instruction that's been given to the servant? Um, it says, he's given me the tongue of a disciple, of a learner, of one who's been taught. So this idea is this servant has such a close relationship with the Lord God that God is teaching him. He's instructing him. He's training him. He's training him to do what? He's given him the tongue of one who has been taught. This tongue, this idea of the Lord God giving him a tongue. This kind of goes back to what we talked about last week, is that the weapon that the servant has is the word he's going to speak. And so we're going to come back to that in a minute. But really what we see here is that the Lord God is teaching the servant how to teach, teaching him to teach. Uh, and that's an important thing to realize because the servant is going to teach us instruct us, guide us in so many important things. He's going to proclaim an encouraging word. So I think the most important thing to realize here is the instruction to the servant is that he's teaching him to proclaim words that will uphold, uplift, and, and encourage people. We'll look at that here in a second. 
But the second thing that we see that the, the Lord is teaching, instructing to the servant is this idea of teaching him to obey. And how do we see that? Look at verse 5. It says, The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. So what we have going on here is really this idea of the Lord God is teaching the servant to obey the will of the Lord no matter what it costs him. And look at what it's going to cost him. It says, uh, even though it hurts, I turn not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. So clearly this servant is going to receive some beatings. Uh, this idea of pulling out the beard and being smacked in the face, uh, this is a sign of humiliation. See, in the ancient world, when people would take captives or if they were going to execute someone, they would humiliate them first. And one of the things they would do would be to pull out their beard or yank out their hair uh, just as a sign of humiliation. Because uh, think about that. At what point uh, are you more under the power of somebody than they can walk up to you and just pull out your beard, pull out your facial hair? I think if that happens and you're not able to fight back, then that means you are clearly in submission to them and they can do whatever they want to you. And, and that's what this picture is, is that the servant will willingly put himself in a situation where these kind of things are going to be happening. And he's not going to turn away from that, try to run away from that. He's actually going to embrace it. We're going to look more at that next week, and we're going to answer the question of why does he have to go through this humiliation? Why does he have to experience this kind of suffering? We're going to talk about that next week. You don't want to miss it, because that really sums up all four of the songs that we've been looking at. But the word ear, it says, the Lord God has opened my ear. That's kind of the key word here that lets us know that what God is saying is, I am training the servant to be obedient, to follow my word, to follow my voice. Because uh, as you know, uh, there's a lot of places in the Old Testament where it says, uh, and I heard the voice of the Lord. And, and this idea, this picture of an ear, when you have this this kind of word picture that God gives us of an ear, it really signifies hearing. And in the Old Testament, the word hearing is tied to obeying. Uh, that, that word is tied to obeying. So again, when people said, and I heard the voice of the Lord, it means I heard it and I obeyed it. It doesn't just mean I listened to it like a, like a song and then I went on my way. Uh, it says, I heard it and I obeyed it. And so this idea is that the servant will hear the voice of the Lord. The Lord has given him an ear and he was not rebellious. In other words, he did not rebel against what God told him. You know, in the book of Isaiah, this is a really interesting contrast because here we have the servant who says, I am going to obey the voice of the Lord. Um, but in back in all the way in chapter six of Isaiah, we talk about the nation of Israel and guess how they're described. They're called blind. In other words, they don't see what they're supposed to do. They're called deaf. They don't hear the voice of the Lord. They don't obey the voice of the Lord and they are calloused. In fact, the things that are mentioned in chapter 6 and, and really chapters 1 through 6 tell us why the servant had to come. Because the nation of Israel, God's people, were turning their back on him and were not listening to him, not obeying him. You know, there's another contrast here, though, is that this idea of this servant, this servant king who's coming, um, says, I will obey completely. If you think about all the prophets in Israel, if you go through the Old Testament and look at all the prophets, None of them could say this, not one of them. Of course, you have the prophet Jonah, right? When God told him to go to Nineveh, 
he actually turned and ran the other way. So he was an example of a disobedient prophet. But even the prophets who were faithful and obedient, think about Moses, who was called a prophet. Even he, at one point, turned his back on God. Uh, Jeremiah questioned God and turned his back on God. Others all failed, but not this one. In fact, there is only one prophet, one prophetic figure in Israel's history who said something similar to this. And his name is Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, and he, of course, is much more than a prophet. Look at what he says in John chapter 8, verse 29. Jesus says, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. You know, this is interesting. When we're talking about this servant who says he will not turn his back, who will um, not be rebellious, but who will give in to whatever God asks him to do, there's only one person in all of Israel's history, in all of human history, who can say that I did that perfectly. I obeyed perfectly. So these first couple of verses of this passage are really talking about how the Lord God is training, instructing the servant uh, how to teach. He's instructing him for how to instruct others. And he's also instructing him for how to obey. So this is the instruction that's being given to the servant. This idea of, of giving instruction to the servant. You know, if you think about instruction that you receive, oftentimes it's received in a classroom. And uh, I think about my kids uh, who up until two weeks ago were in school learning, right? If you're a student, if you're a learner, you're going to learn oftentimes in a classroom. Uh, formal education happens in a classroom. Uh, Bill Reese, who just uh, did our announcements and prayer this morning, is a teacher at Tulane University, and he does a lot of instruction in a classroom. Well, guess what? The classrooms have all kind of changed, haven't they? Nobody's actually going into a classroom anymore. Uh, some people are doing instruction online. Some people are doing instruction at home, um, just in different ways. Well, when we come to Isaiah chapter 15, we think about where was the servant receiving his instruction? Where was God teaching him? And clearly the answer is it was in the school of life. God was instru instructing him through the experiences that he had particularly the adversities and the hard times that he had. So when we go through hard times, we have to realize that God is using those to instruct us, to train us, to teach us how he wants to, to endure. And just like the servant, we learn best in the school of life. God instructs us in the school of life. And so, you know, it's interesting to me that all of us right now are sitting in a very similar classroom, aren't we? Uh, we could call it the, the COVID-19 classroom. We're all experiencing this event that's really, you know, encompassing the whole world. And God says, I want to teach you something through this event. I want to give you some instruction. Just like he taught the servant through the circumstances that he experienced, he wants to teach us through the circumstances that we are experiencing. What lesson do you need to learn during this time? or lessons. I would encourage you just to pause and pray. If not today, then this week, just stop and ask God, what is it that you are trying to teach me during this time? I think so many of us uh, find it easy to kind of say, well, I, I'm going to manage this situation. I'm going to do my work during this time. I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm going to help my kids get through school. And, and we fill the schedule again with kind of new activities. And we could miss the whole thing that God is trying to show us as individuals and show us as a church. 
So pause and ask, God, what are you trying to instruct me? What are you trying to teach me in this classroom, in this time? What do you want me to learn? Where is he instructing you? And I would just ask you this question this morning. Are you listening? Are you listening? Because again, we are called to follow the pattern of this servant who opened his ear. He says, morning by morning, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. And so I pray that would be our, our, our uh, method as well, that we would listen each and every morning for God to speak to us. And one other thing I would just say, you know, this idea of, of listening to God, in other words, obeying whatever it is he's asking you to do, to do during this time, would be just be aware. We talked about this at the end of Ephesians, is that we have an enemy who would equally like to use this difficult time to destroy us, to destroy people, destroy life uh, through death and sickness. But even more than that, to destroy faith and destroy uh, um, spiritual growth, destroy families if he can. Um, So be aware of the schemes of the devil during this time and listen for the voice of the Lord. And remember, listening means obeying it when you hear it. So the servant's instruction, first of all, God gives instruction to the servant, but we also see that now the servant gives instruction. We receive instruction from the servant. And and I love these verses. Um, uh, again, this kind of comes back to Isaiah 49, verse 2 from last week. It says, He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow, and in his quiver he hid me away. Last week we saw that God said the weapon that this servant is going to have is going to be his mouth. It's going to be the words that he speaks. That's how he is going to accomplish his mission in the world, is by sharing a message. Well, this morning, when we look at Isaiah chapter 50, especially verse 4, we see what his message is. And I love this these words. It says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, so that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary so that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Brothers and sisters, the the servant comes to lift up broken, weary people and encourage them with his word, with the way that he reveals God to us. I love the next phrase, morning by morning he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. This idea of, of day after day, repeatedly, he's going to bring us these words of encouragement. He shares this word that God gives him, this word of lifting up, this word of encouragement. He shares that with God's people. And that is the reason he came, was to share this message. That I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. I have a word for you from Jesus this morning. This comes from Jesus himself. And I would encourage you in the days ahead, spend a lot of time in the Gospels. Hear from Jesus himself. Let him lift you up with his words. Read Matthew. We looked at that last week. Matthew chapter 6. So many encouraging passages throughout the Gospels where Jesus specifically lifts us up, sustains us with a word. And I would ask you before I show you these next uh, verses is, are you weary this morning? I mean, do you find yourself tired? I know off and on throughout this week, you know, some days I'm like, man, this is great. I'm, you know, things are moving. We're progressing. The church is taking care of itself. My family's doing well. But other days I find myself discouraged. You know, I miss my friends. I miss my family. Uh, and, And I find myself weary. Well, the Lord God says to his servant, through his servant, 
that he may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Hear this word from Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come unto me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I would just ask you this morning, have you heard this word from Jesus? Have you heard him speaking this word into your life? You know, Jesus was speaking to a group of people during his day and time that were burdened down with the concerns of life, with life and death, uh, with where's my food going to come from? Where is my clothing going to come from? And they were also burdened down by laws and rules and commandments. Many of them thought, how can I ever be good enough to be accepted by God? And Jesus says, you can't be good enough. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can never get rest on your own by trying harder or earning your way to a relationship with God or any of these things. Jesus says, you can't do it, but I can, and I did. So we see the servant's instruction, and we receive that instruction from the servant. But what we also want to see this morning is the hope of the servant, the servant's hope. And when we talk about hope in Scripture, and again here in verses 7 through 9, whenever we talk about hope in Scripture, we're not talking about just a longing or a desire that something might happen. Uh, particularly when we talk about the hope of the servant, we're talking about the confidence, the expectation that he has that what is promised to him absolutely will happen. He has complete confidence, complete hope in the Lord his God, in the Lord God. So what does this look like? Uh, first of all, we see where he goes to when he's looking for help. Uh, chapter 50, verse 7, it says, But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. And then again in verse 9, Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. So the question I have for you this morning is, where do you turn for help? Where do you turn for help? In a time like this, uh, when things are going crazy and uh, you're not sure what the next day might bring, where do you turn for help? I think part of this, I was getting at this on Tuesday night when I gave kind of my uh, my talk from our house. Uh, and if you haven't seen that, you can find that on our website. But I do think part of where we turn for help, where we turn for hope, is revealed by how we use technology. And that's why I mentioned this thing that I would call the 50-50 challenge. It's just this idea of try to spend at least 50% of the time that you spend on your devices, your personal time on your devices, uh, investing that in loving God and or loving others, not in reading the news or checking headlines or checking your stock portfolio or any of those things that can stress you out or take your focus off of Jesus. But spend the majority of your time pouring into other people through technology when you're when you're using technology. And so I think what, how we use technology does reveal where we turn for help. But I think we have to realize that there's this mentality we have uh, in, in our country and really just in human nature. Uh, here's a quote that's attributed to Ben Franklin. Whether it's his or not, we don't know. But it's, God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. 
And the question is, is that really true? Does God only help the people who help themselves? Um, there's actually another quote that says, it is not true that God helps those who help themselves, but God helps those who can't help themselves. Uh, and I think that is important for us to remember. When it comes to our hope in God, we must realize that he helps those who realize that they cannot help themselves. That's what grace is. When we get to the point that we realize we cannot save ourselves, we cannot have a relationship with God on our own, then God says, you understand your need of me, and you can depend on me. That's what faith is, depending on God and not on yourself. What does Scripture say about this? I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I think what we're challenged to do uh, when we think about where does our help come from is look to the Lord, look to Jesus, realize that he is the one that can help us through this. The servant himself looked to the Lord God. The creator of heaven and earth is the one who knows you by name. And if you've trusted Jesus, he cares about you individually. The servant's hope is huge in this situation. Because you see, the servant is able to have confidence that God will preserve him through no matter what he has to experience. Another place to look at this would be back in Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, Isaiah 40 is a great chapter. If you're looking for a chapter to kind of encourage yourself uh, during these times, I love this chapter. Uh, And it ends with uh, verse 31. It says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Turn to the Lord for help. Turn to the Lord for help. You know, uh, back here in in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7, it says, Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. Did you know Jesus picked up on this wording? And Jesus actually said, um, uh, or it's said of Jesus in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. That idea of he set his face like a flint, just like the servant back in Isaiah 50 did. He sets his face to Jerusalem, even though he knows what's coming. Because he knows very well what's coming. In fact, three times throughout the Gospels, he predicts that he will be lifted up on a cross. And Jesus knows exactly what is coming, and he has confidence, even though he knows what he's going to experience. Look at verse 6 of Isaiah 50. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Brothers and sisters, he willingly embraced this walk to Jerusalem. He could have gone the other way like Jonah, but no, he turned, he obeyed the will of the Lord on my behalf and on your behalf so that he could accomplish eternal redemption for our sins. Verse 8 He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Jesus says it doesn't matter. The servant says it doesn't matter who opposes me. I know that the Lord God will deliver me because he is the creator of heaven and earth. In verse 9, he says, All them who, who oppose me will wear out like a garment, for the moth will eat them up. The point there is they are temporary. But he knows that his hope is eternal. His hope in the Lord God is eternal. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
You see, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem so that he could rescue us because the Lord God was his hope. You see, this servant song, this third song, this third portion of Isaiah that we've been looking at really changes the focus and tells us that part of the servant's task is to suffer. Next week, we're going to talk about why he had to do that. But the important thing for today to realize is that the servant's hope was in the Lord God, and he knew that God would preserve him through all things. So this morning, a second question for you, kind of like the first one, is where do you turn for hope? Where do you turn for hope? You know, there's a lot of places that people are turning right now to try to get hope or try to get understanding or try to feel like they're in control. And guess what? All of these places will leave you empty. Sometimes we're turning to yourself, to myself. I I can turn and say, if I can just come up with a plan to hunker down and get through this time, uh, then I can have hope and I can trust that things will go forward. Sometimes we turn to the government and think, maybe the government will bail us out. The government's going to put together a plan so good that we're going to get through this unscathed. Maybe we turn to modern medicine, medication, or even to other substances to give us hope. But you know what? All those things will leave us empty. And I want to tell you this morning, as we talk about the servant, as we focus on the servant, that there is really only one person in the whole universe who can give you hope for all eternity. Both in this life and in the life to come. His name is the servant. His name is Jesus. He alone is the one who can give you hope. And so this morning I would just ask you, Have you turned to Him with your life? Have you trusted in Him and realized that He alone can give you hope for all eternity? Eternal life and forgiveness of sins are found in Jesus Christ alone. There is no other way that we can come to God, that we can come to Him and have hope, but by turning to Jesus, the servant who God sent for us. And my invitation to you would be, if you've never turned to Him, turn to Him today. For the first time, trust him. Say, God, I know I can't save myself. I trust you to save me through the work of the servant, through the work of this person called Jesus. Just tell him that. And if you do know him, I would tell you, keep coming back to him again and again. Place your hope in him repeatedly. Realize from day to day that no matter what circumstance you face, what opposition you have, what temptation you have, what struggle you're going through right now, You can go through it because you've been instructed by the servant and because you have the same object of hope, and that is the Lord God. Put your hope in Christ alone, and he will save you. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the chance to worship together as a church family. God, I pray you would continue to speak through your word during these times. God, I pray that you would speak uh, to us through your servant, Jesus Christ. Help us to turn to him repeatedly as our source of hope. God, thank you for what he accomplished on our behalf. It's in the name of your, our, your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You are dismissed, and please go and make disciples.